0: for joining us this evening. Uh, we got a little bit of things to uh, talk about here. We do want to encourage you, as always, every week. If you're not connected in a group, uh, we do encourage you to get into one. Uh, The Zoom group is starting a new study called The End of Me uh, this coming week, October 10th, uh, Tuesdays at 7.30, if you'd like to join that group. Uh, Books are on their way. Not sure when they'll be here yet, so if you guys want to go ahead and meet and talk about You know, if you have the book, but if you want to talk about kind of what it's going to be about, what to look forward to, and uh, introduce some new people, that'd be great. So I'll let you know when those books uh, come in. Uh, But for right now, we don't have those books yet. But if you would like to get some, we will have plenty. So please, if you haven't joined a Zoom group and you want to be part of one, uh, contact Justin right over here. See him before you leave here today do want to say thanks to everyone who brought in uh, all of this cereal over here. We know it was a little bit short-lived, only a couple weeks uh, compared to last year when we did a couple, three or four weekends. Uh, but if you want to bring some in, not sure when we're going to deliver them, I'm sure it'll be after Tuesday, I'm, I'm sure, because I'm, I'm sure they're open Wednesday. But if you want to bring in some more cereal Monday or Tuesday this week, uh, we'll be in here. Or if you want to come tomorrow, if you're planning to come to the Sunday service, you can bring some in tomorrow as well. Just drop it over here at the le- my left of the stage, your right. Uh, By this black bucket over here where all the other cereal is. Just bring it in, drop it here, and uh, we'll take it from there. If you do want to volunteer and help us take this to the food pantry, uh, they would love to meet you. They would love to meet the members of Journey Church and uh, the ones that are providing this cereal for our community. So if you'd like to do that and be a volunteer, uh, just see me or Bobby before you leave here tonight or comment online. Our annual picnic is happening Sunday, October 29th, and uh, it's potluck style. We're having some fried chicken, rolls, and drinks provided by the church. If your last name begins with A through L, we encourage you to bring a side, and last names M through Z to bring a dessert. Uh, Join us for a fun day of fellowship, uh, really good food as well, and uh, Saturday crowd, come Sunday, make it part of your plan uh, to be here for Sunday for lunch. Starting next weekend, I know everyone's been wondering when we're, we're going to talk about this. Uh, Halloween is coming up soon, and uh, it's Tuesday, October 31st is when Trick or Treat is in our community. And uh, starting next weekend, we'll be taking up cash and check to our tie jug to help cover the cost of pizza and candy. Uh, we're partnering with Hunt Brothers once again, and uh, they have done an excellent job uh, use, uh, letting us use the thrift store um, where we can cook all those pizzas, get them prepped, and then give out to the community. Uh, We're shooting for a lot of slices this year. We gave out around 750 slices of pizza last year. Uh, We're aiming for a little bit more because we were done in about 35 minutes last year. (laughs) It went really fast. And uh, people like pizza, especially kids. And so if you want to be part of that, you can get involved in a couple different ways. Like I said, if you want to bring cash and check and donate to the Tide Jug, uh, you can do it that way. You can also bring in physical candy, and we'll replace this cereal with candy over the next three weeks, starting next weekend. And we'll also have a table set up where you can sign up to be a volunteer in 30-minute time slots. Uh, So join us um, as we reach out to people trick-or-treating. Just say, hey, God loves you, and uh, we just want to bless you with a good time here tonight. Uh, forward thinking. We're in this series, Book of Ephesians, Forward Thinking. We're talking about getting connected. And the countdown that we chose uh, this past week, the song was called Relationship. And it really is true that God did not come for religion. That's not why he sent Jesus. He came here to have a relationship with us. So how do we do that? We're going to talk about that here tonight. Let's get started.
1: Hey guys, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. You guys who are online, join us. Grab your Bible. uh, Follow with our live stream right now if that's where you're at. And uh, we're talking a little bit again about how cars are kind of like people. Last weekend we talked about the first 14 verses, how cars need a power source. And uh, people do too. We need prayer, which becomes a power source that moves us forward thinking forward in life in a similar way we need relationships and connections and everybody needs a connection throughout life it might get you a ticket to a taylor swift concert who knows i'm just saying you need some kind of connections uh in the church and in life and with each other and it's kind of like building something that looks a bit like this What's this Isn't it nice when things just work? (laughs) All right, shout out to Honda Accords and some poor engineer who spent a lot of hours trying to figure out how to make those dominoes touch one another. But isn't it nice when things just work? Say amen. Now there's somebody bigger and better than any engineer at Honda Accord. And that's God. And isn't it nice when things just work with God and his plan for all of us and the life that he wants us to live. And that's what we're talking about. You got to have a plan. And so we've got to work together. With all of our individual connecting parts in the body of Christ, in the church, in our families, in our home, in our community, in our nation, in our world, What in the world are we going to do until we begin working together around the entire globe and planet where we live? We all need to connect and have relationships and get along better together. And it is vital. It really is vital. If you're taking notes, you might write that down. It's vital that we invest and spend our life in a way that really does work. Isn't it nice when things really do work? Say amen? Yeah, Yeah, it is nice. So how should we invest our life? That's what I'm going to talk about. Looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at this passage, this section here, beginning chapter 4, verse 1, and following these first 14 verses. So, It really is a relational-driven kind of life that God says works best. Isn't it cool when it really does work best? So what does that look like? What does life lived with God in relationship with God and with people, what does that really look like? And I'm going to give you a couple of things to jot down here. And I want you to know that it really is that we have to be serious about God. We have to really be serious about God for it to work. Isn't it really nice when things really work? Amen? It can't be casual. It's got to really be intimate. And the only way I know to describe it is the way the Bible describes it. And it is like matrimony, it's like marriage, it's like that. It's like this kind of relationship with God and with people that when it really works, when it's really. When it's really buzzing and it's really humming and every part is bumping into the next part, every piece of the puzzle works. So it begins by understanding relationships as God does. It's much like marriage, not something casual. So let's read it. Here's what verse 1 says. I, Paul, am writing all of this, the Apostle, chapter 4, as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Paul says that you learn how to live in relationship with me and with God and with the church. He's asking us to, dis- to discover how to do that. Paul's under a two-year house arrest as he's writing this letter called the Prison Epistle, Epistles, Letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and he's trying to encourage all of us To not get stuck in the past, but that we have this forward thought and thinking that requires better relationships so that we can it can just work right the way God planned it. Verse 2 be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another, as if you really wanted to be together. Like, Like being married. I mean, think about that. How do you do that? How do you do that in a relationship? That's like marriage. Man, don't give up on your friend and throw him under the bus. Don't give up on your kid, your grandkid. Don't give up on your neighbor. Don't. I mean, I'm just saying it begins like this when it really works. Isn't it really cool when it really works? Well, how does it really work? It's not casual. It's in this kind of commitment that's like a marriage that we really are committed to. Not casual. Make every effort to keep this kind of unity we got to work man we got to work better and get along better. Remember you've heard this before don't go to bed angry. Anybody ever heard that before? And Paul tells us because it it becomes a foothold for the devil. That's where the devil begins to stir up trouble and break apart relationships and families and cause all kinds of difficulties. So we got to work together it begins in this kind of relationship like a marriage. And so make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Find a way to bury the hatchet, get along, forgive each other. There is one body. Look at this. Not a bunch of churches. They're all one church. One body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. Not a whole bunch of Jesuses, just one Jesus. Not a whole bunch of gods, just one God. One body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called, verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, one big family. Say, family? That's how it works best. When you know, isn't it really cool when it works best? You know, when churches aren't jealous of each other and Christians inside the church aren't jealous of each other and when they don't gossip and they don't complain and, and they just work together for the mission of the church on earth and in your community and your neighborhood. Isn't it just, that's how things work. In a marriage, it's how it works best is when we just work together and uh, we realize that we're all on the same team like one big family. Say amen. That's how it works best. One God, one Father of all who is over all, and he's, he's really in charge of it all. So before I move on to the second idea here, let's look at what we just read. Verse 1, Paul says, the author, I'm writing this myself. I'm a prisoner, this two-year house arrest. I'm writing this in this quad pack series of letters known as the prison epistles, written about 61, 62, 63 AD, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and he's talking about loyalty. What does relationships, what do they look like? What do they look like when they really work? Well, they look like marriage, but the word that I would probably use that the Bible uses is they look like loyalty, and you know exactly what that means. You've got your favorite team, and you're rooting that your team wins the game tonight. You've got your favorite soccer team that your grandson plays on, and you're loyal and you'll sit in the wind and the rain and the snow. You're loyal to your biker friends, and even though it's chilly outside, I'm going to put on a coat because we've got a cause that we're trying to raise some money for the... We know what loyalty looks like. Amen? We've got to do that in the church, with each other, in the community. That's what Paul is asking us to consider. Loyalty and friendship... Is what it looks like. But it's going to cost you. That's what he says. What's it cost? I'll probably get cold sitting outside in some bad, bad weather at a football game or a soccer game. I'll probably get cold. But I'm so loyal, even though I'm shivering, I'll get a blanket. Amen? It'll cost you something. If you really want to follow a team, you're going to have to travel. It's probably going to cost you some gas money. If you really want to be with a biker group or with a car group or whatever kind of group it is that you're loyal to, it's probably going to cost you some money to invest in wherever you're headed. Amen? Yeah, there's some cost. If you've got a kid that goes to school and they're at middle school or maybe they're at high school or, or maybe they're in elementary school and you go to PTA meetings or whatever kind of meetings the school has and you're probably going to have to invest something in their clothing or in their education. It's going to cost you for a long time, the rest of their life maybe. There's an investment when we're loyal to our children. Paul says that's what it looks like, marriage. And so in verse 1, He says, as a result of my being radically loyal to the church and to Jesus and to God and Jesus' message, that's how I got put in here. You're going to lose some friends on Facebook if you're loyal to God and his church. You're going to lose some of your biker friends, some of your car friends, some of your soccer friends. You're going to lose some of your neighborhood friends if you're loyal to God and his church because they're not going there. They're investing their life and loyalty somewhere else. And I'm just saying, there is a price, there is a cost. And Paul says, start with this message about God in the Bible because God really does, he, he really does. He stirs the drink that everybody needs. He really does love the world, all of us. And so make God your priority. Be loyal to God and then to people. And so Paul says, Being in this relationship with God has cost me my freedom. But verse 1, he says it's worth it. (laughs) Is it worth it? It is. If you're a pet owner and they wake you up too early, but you love them anyway, it's worth it because I love them. Amen? Yeah. It's like matrimony, it is. It's like marriage. It's like this relationship with God. It really is cool when it works. But it's not casual. You can't you can't do this with God casual. You can't do this with his church casual. You can't do this with people casual. Galatians chapter two, look at that verse. Galatians chapter two verse twenty. The message paraphrase. The life you see me living is not my own. Well I thought I was an adult. Paul says, "Nope. wait a minute. You have a loyalty to someone greater than you. He is our creator. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God. I am a child of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going back on that. So we make a promise and a vow at our baptism, at our statement of faith. When we come into a family of God and say, I want to belong here and serve here and be a part of your family, your church family, and invest my life, and I want to be loyal to the mission and give away boxes of cereal, and I want to help everybody who doesn't know that God is for everybody, promises and vows that we make are meant to be kept and not broken. God wants us to keep those promises and be loyal to what we've said. He wants us to be more than just a fan of God. He wants us to be a follower of God with a commitment. So the big idea is we have to invest more. We have to invest more in this relationship with God. It's what God wants. He wants us not in a casual relationship. He wants us in a deeper relationship. How do we get past our past with other relationships that are draining our energy? Remember I said last weekend... I ask you this question, who is it that's taking all of the energy out of your life? What circumstance is draining your your gas tank? What kind of relationships and people are draining your energy? And I said, you need to change what you're doing and go somewhere else. Because they will have you on empty and on fumes forever. That draining kind of relationship, getting past our past, means that we make decisions sometimes with people that we uh, find at work that are hard to work with, the people that are on our team that really don't want to play as a team player. Sometimes you have to find a better relationship. So verse 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, Apostle Paul says here in chapter 4, whatever the mess it has been in relationships and connections, whatever the mess it's been in the past, at home or at work or church or family or friends, God can sort this out and he can blend us together, our life together in a relationship with God and a relationship with others if we follow his lead. You have to let him lead you to the right relationships. Got it? Say, got it? That means you're going to have to give up some of the relationships that are just not healthy, that are draining and and leaving you on empty. Your power uh, source is God, not other people. So... Sounds like common sense, and it is, but it really is hard to do. And uh, God is trained. God is capable. God is omnipotent and all-powerful. He can do anything. Have you ever been to a coffee shop and you ordered you one of those lattes, Probably you guys who drink just straight black coffee or maybe you're not even a coffee drinker. You're like, I don't know what he's talking about. But if you really do drink coffee and you go to one of those coffee shops and you get you one of those, you know, like frothy kind of froth on the top, one of those kind of specialty kind of drinks, one of those latte coffee lattes. And a lot of your baristas at a coffee bar can kind of drizzle things on top and maybe make you a little moving heart that's kind of floating there on top of the foam, your, your cream. It's just kind of cool how they can all mix that together, cream and sugar and, you know, maybe a little honey on top. Or, but it's kind of cool how somebody knows how to do that. It's a piece of art, and they hand it to you to enjoy. That's what God wants to do in your life. He's an artist. And you're his, well, you're his piece of art. You're his masterpiece. We've already talked about that. And and he's still drawing and creating this, you know, like beauty that he wants you to be. And it begins with us being willing to let him be in charge and pick sometimes different friends, better friends, and relationships that aren't so draining. God will do this. God helps us like some kind of, you know, coffee barista where we just uh, say, hmm, that was good. God is good. Amen? And when you come and gather with other people, it's not what you thought it was. Oh, I don't like coffee. Oh, I don't drink coffee. Oh, I don't put anything in my coffee. And we get so stubborn sometimes, we, we act that way and say those kind of things about the church or about God or about worship. And we say, "I," you know, if you just try it, say, try it, Try God a little bit. It really is something pretty cool. So the investment that God is after is that we have healthy, growing, consistent, exclusive kind of relationship with God first. And that then we're willing to invest our life with other people. You can't just put God at the long list of other busy things you have to do. God has to be at the top of the list. Amen? That's how it works best. It it really is cool when we do it his way. Making God really our first love, an exclusive kind of love, and letting him figure it out, letting him figure out a relationship with other people. And that kind of sets up my second suggestion here in Ephesians chapter 4 after we invest in an exclusive relationship with God, the next part about our connections is that we have to nurture that with other people. Once God leads you to a church family or a church door or a church small group or a place that gives away cereal to our food pantry or we're going to build a house or we're going to give away a... Once God leads you to that group of people and you say, man, this is really cool. This is like a family. I could belong here. Well, you know what? It is... But you have to nurture those relationships with the people inside. You can't just say hello and never see them again until next year or you know, next season. You really have to grow that relationship with people too, like we grow that relationship with God. It can't be something casual. It's got to be something that's very serious. And that's, that's the part of it requires multiple ministries of all of us helping each other like all those people. All those individual parts of the Honda Accord that you saw on my little two-minute clip there, every little part had a role to play. And if somebody just missed their mark in the movie that we watched, we wouldn't have seen the car at the end that rolled off the little trailer that you watched just a moment ago. Every little part had to be exact that whatever you were, even if you were the muffler that went flop, 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 or you were the windshield washers that spit your water out and hit the windshield, whatever it is that you are that God made you, we have to nurture that with each other for us really to have this forward thinking. And you are vital. Everybody's vital. And so it requires that we share this mutual ministry for God in our community. And here's what it reads like in verse 7. So let's read it, what Paul's talking about in chapter 4, after his prayer in chapter 3. But to each one of us who are in the family of God, but to each one of us, grace has been given. We needed some grace. Everybody does. And he's not stingy with it. He is generous. And I'll talk about that at communion tonight. I'm going to talk about how God is generous with his grace. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, handed it out. And this is why it says, when Jesus ascended, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men in heaven Verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to earth, the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who also ascended higher than all the heavens, above and below the earth, everywhere, in order to fill the whole universe. It was Jesus. It was He who gave some to be apostles, like windshield wipers, and some to be prophets, maybe like the the boombox, the radio, and the speakers, like we saw in the clip. Some to be, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. That's the description of some of the gifts that were handed out. And so we're not all going to be teachers that teach from the Bible. We're not all going to be we're not all going to be band members or vocalists that sing or play instruments for the worship songs that we share. We're not all going to be someone that works in the coffee bar, but we are going to all going to do something. Everybody's given all of us some gifts that can be shared in every little nut and bolt. You think like, "Man, I'm just a tiny little, I'm not significant at all. I'm just a little I don't know what you think you're a little. Little a little bitty marble somewhere? I don't know what you think. But every little piece that goes together that makes that car is essential. And the same is about a person in a church and a family of God. We need every person for all the pieces to fit together. And so God has figured that out. And he's the one that passed out the parts, gave us these jobs. And he's the designer like the engineer that figures it out. He knows what he's doing. And so I hope that you've discovered what you're good at, even if it's like, you know, I don't do much. I'm I'm like the button on top of the door. When somebody pushes this little electronic button down on the door, I pop up and down. Maybe that's all you do is pop up and down, pop up and down. Well, somebody needs to be the one that pops up and down, if that's who you are. Be a happy person that pops up and down. Maybe that's you. You might not be the big old strong engine, but whatever it is that you can do, that's what God has given out his gifts. So how does God grow a church? Well, that's a good question. Churches have struggled since the pandemic. About 30% of the people that were attending churches around the world have not returned. There are people who are returning that never went before, but there's a lot of people that just never went back. And so how, how do you really grow a church well, it's pretty much the same way that you grow anything, the same way that you grow a sports team or the same way that you, you grow a business. I work for myself and I have my own. How do you grow a business where well, everybody has to get together, everybody on your team, whether it's a team of two or three or it's a team of 20 or Maybe you've got a big football team that's got a couple of hundred players. Everybody's got to find their part on the team. There's got to be teamwork and team chemistry, and it's got to be the team-first attitude. That's how God grows a church. It's not the preacher and five other people. It's not the persons that give the most money. It's not the people who are married. It's not the people who are single. It's everybody. We have to be together and find out what it is that we can do. That's how God grows a church. That was the plan. Forward thinking, that was, it begins with relationship, and then it requires this kind of multiple ministry that we share together, like all those parts that were wobbling across the screen a moment ago. Get your best players on your team, and get them in the best places on the floor, and let them go to work. Some of you are great cooks. We put you in the coffee bar. Amen? Amen? And old Fred back here, I tell you what, that guy knows how to read a recipe book. We got the right guy helping us in the coffee bar. Yeah, and some of you are really good with musical instruments, and Justin... You are amazing when you're up here singing, and I'm thinking about, man, you were just the guy hiding behind the wall when I first met you. I didn't even know you could sing. But I'm just saying, all of us have something that we could do. Brian never played a guitar, but now he's in the band. I'm just saying, all of us, think about it. Larry, you were not someone that was counting beans for a church. You were counting beans for your business, but not for a church. But now look at you. You're counting beans that really matter, that, that God needs for everybody to you know have business here. It's pretty cool how we can all find something to do that God puts us together. And and really it's some of the it's some of the things we haven't thought about yet. Lavonda, I don't know what we can get you to do, but if nothing else you're getting your grandkids and and some of their cousins here and you're bringing people. So everybody can do something and when we figure this out it does it, it's really cool when it works. Say amen? Yeah, so that's what we need, is to share this together. And stop being so fussy, I guess. Can I tell you a funny story? Sure. Preacher, tell me a funny story. How fussy we can be. Okay, an elderly couple. That would be me. I'll start with myself. (laughs) An elderly couple on a car trip stops at a roadside restaurant for lunch. Fred, listen to this. After finishing their meal, the elderly woman, I'm not saying that's my wife. I'm just saying I'm the older guy. After finishing their meal, the elderly woman leaves her glasses on the table, but she didn't miss them until... They were back on the highway. By the time they had to travel back quite a distance before they could find a place to turn around, the elderly man, that was me, fussed and fussed all the way back to the restaurant. He was calling his wife every bad name that he could think of. When they got back, that wasn't me, when they got back to the restaurant... And the woman was going to get out of the car to retrieve her glasses. The fussy man said to her, while you're in there, you might as well get my hat too. (laughs) Amen? Amen? You guys got to quit being so fussy. Come on now. Everybody, we're in this together. And it's the truth. So it starts with this relationship that's not casual. It's more like marriage. It's more like you married the mob. I didn't know that God wanted me all the time. I didn't know he wanted me to give everything. It's like being married to the mob. When God says he's serious about this relationship with you, he's really serious about it. Amen? Not something casual like I'll show up when I'm you know ready to come or when it's convenient. He really wants you to show up all the time. And he wants you, secondly, forward thinking now, Get past the past how you used to do church stuff. He wants you to have this forward thinking. He wants you to share your gifts and talents, time, talent, and treasure with other people so that it really works. It really works the way God planned. And when we do that and we stop being so fussy and we find out that we really are better together and everybody can do something, that's number three. Here's number three. Write this down if you're there. Number three it really does help us grow to maturity. It helps us grow deeper in our faith. It honors God and makes God proud and it makes Him look good in our community. It is hard work, but eventually it pays off. You're not who you used to be. You're a better version. You're a better people. You're a better person. You're a better husband. You're a better wife. You're a better grandparent. You're a better neighbor. You're a better employee. Yeah. Verse 12. We do all of this. Loving God and loving people, not in a casual way, but in a really serious way, in a committed way, like being married And we work together and stop being so fussy and jealous with each other to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's how you grow a church. Instead of competing with each other, we all work together so that the church can be built up. Our time, talent, and treasure shared until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature. What does mature mean? It means grown up. If you're thirty five years old and you're still acting like a twelve year old, you need to grow up. Say amen? Shoot yeah. If you've been coming to church for a long time, it should show. It should have made a difference in your maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants. We'll grow up tossed back and forth by the waves, hopping around church to church and friend to friend and house to house and job to job and not being settled at all. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Schemers, they look for you if you're immature. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things eventually grow up into him, Jesus, who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body joined and held together by every door handle by every radial knob by every lug nut every engine whatever we got by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work Say amen yeah That's, it's really cool when it works. It really is. So verse 12, the end result of all this teamwork and everybody sharing whatever they can, this collaboration, it is that we all grow up into a better version of ourselves and the church looks better and God looks better and we have a bigger impact and a greater impact. Our kids and our teenagers and our middle schoolers and everybody that just walked into the room and I mean, we all end up representing God in a better way when we do this together. And and we realize that God has made us as like a family that can work together. Not, Not everybody that talks about God or about the church, not everybody who grows older grows up. Write that down. That's something to think about. A lot of people say, I go to church, but they never grew up. They really never matured. And so, part of our goal at Journey Church, and I hope at other churches because it's in the Bible, is we want you not just to say, I go to this church, but we want you to grow up and become a fully developed follower of Christ, not just some casual follower of God when it's easy. And it's the core value of Journey Church. It's number six on that blackboard back there. And if you've drank our coffee, the next time that you get a cup of Fred's famous coffee, Stop there and read core value number six because that's our core value. And that's why we keep checking on you when you don't come back. Because we want you to grow up, buddy. We really want you to grow up and become a better person and a better version and a better dad and husband and mom and sister. And every role that you play in this world, That's the when it works, it's really great. But when it's not, it's pretty ugly. And so it's our, it's our strategic direction for every person to grow up and become the kind of person that they really can. The better version, mature. Write this down too before I wrap this up. Maturity isn't something that happens to us like getting a pair of glasses. It's not like that. You need to give more of yourself. Not go to some doctor or some church or some band or some worship place where you think this is cool. Not like getting a pair of glasses or getting a ticket to something that entertains us. This is more like us giving something ourselves. Be more, do more, grow more. That's how God grows a church. Two steps to how God does it. First, you become a better person. And then you become a better church. Amen? Yeah. That's how it works. So we need you and God needs you to invest your life wisely and to get connected in stuff that really matters. Not casually, but like like as if you were married, even married to the mob. It's a lot better than being married to the mob. You're married to God and his church and his family. So that you can stay connected and stuff that really matters and change our world for the better. Bottom line, life's too short to get distracted. There's only so many marbles in the jar. And they run out pretty fast. So stay connected, not distracted. And God will do the rest. Say amen. All right, Justin's going to pass the communion, and I'm going to read a verse of scripture, and I'm going to try to say a prayer and wrap this up. And you guys who are home watching, I hope you'll join us. And I hope this was helpful. It's like being a car who needs power, a power source. God is our power source. Pull in and say a prayer, and it makes all the difference in the world. And. It's also being connected like a car. All the individual parts got to get together and help each other. There's a verse that I'm going to read you that is a kind of an odd verse for communion, but let me read this because it's all about grace. And what we're doing with this little piece of bread... And this little cup of juice, it really is all about grace. Now, let me explain. Here's what the verse says Genesis, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. That was a mistake. His two maidservants. That was another mistake and his eleven sons and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok the, the river after he had sent them across the stream he sent over all the, their, his possessions so Jacob was left alone and a man of God wrestled it says a man wrestled with him till daybreak. the man that's represented is God And some of you have wrestled with God. And Jacob was a bit of a deceiver. Remember Jacob and Esau and how Jacob stole his brother's birthright. That was a dirty trick for a bad bowl of beans. Hungry boy, he had to have him a bowl of beans. And Jacob and his mother helped trick Esau He was a bit of a rascal. He had been dishonest and lied frequently. He wasn't such a good guy. But he's in the Bible. And he's in God's family and he's in God's plan. And this passage in Genesis chapter 22, after he had wrestled with God till daybreak, it says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Some of you have got a limp because you wrestled with some marriage that was not working and job that just wasn't for you or some some family issue or some issue you had with God and Jacob had all of those things happen to him he wrestled all night with God and as a result the man said let me go for it's daybreak but Jacob replied I'll not let you go unless you bless me and then the man asked him what is your name As if he didn't know. Jacob. Deceiver. He answered. And the man said. God said. Your name will no longer be Jacob. But Israel. Funny time for him to get his name changed by God from deceiver to God fights for you Israel hmm then the man said your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and you have overcome of Jesus' grace and God's grace Jacob was no longer known as a deceiver you're not who you used to be whatever you thought about yourself or others said about you is no longer true when you take this put it behind you the bread Pray. God, there are stories in the room here everywhere. What just happened? It feels like we've wrestled till midnight and we've got wounded. Thank you, God, that you've given us hope with the story of Jacob as you renamed him Israel. God fights. May you fight for us that we might be better than we deserve and better than we have been because we have now been given your grace and forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Pass the little basket. Drop your little cups in there. Help us with cereal. Help us with the tithe jug. Help us with your tithe. Help us in whatever way you can. Be a volunteer. Do something. Everybody can do something. Stay connected. Grow relationships with people. And with God. And be the best version that you can be. See you guys next time online. God bless you. We love you too. Stay with us. Stay connected. You guys inside. <music>